This is the APS China Monthly, June 2023. The New Peking Opera by Dr. Tan Kong Yam. Peking Opera originated about 1,400 years ago but blossomed during the Qing Dynasty. Bracket 1644 to 1911. Close bracket. In President Xi Jinping's leadership team, Premier Li Qiang is akin to a character with a red mask in Peking Opera, which symbolizes a positive character with qualities like prosperity, loyalty, courage, and heroism. Cai Qi takes on the black mask, a character with a serious and taciturn disposition that suggests a certain strength and roughness. These are the two persons to watch in President Xi's inner circle. His will, their hands. Li Qiang, the red mask, values the private sector. China's premier has valued and engaged the private sector throughout his career. His past actions reflect his strong support for the development of the private sector. In Shanghai, Li Qiang oversaw the establishment of the Star Market, a new technology-focused stock market. He also oversaw the construction of Tesla's factory in Shanghai. On 27th March, when meeting with executives of foreign companies in Beijing, Premier Li emphasized that no matter how the international situation changes, China will unswervingly expand its opening up to the outside world. Xi will provide Li Qiang with the very strongest support possible on economic policies, as Xi seeks to grow a larger pie so that more can be shared with economically less advantaged citizens. The stakes are high for Xi. If Li Qiang fails, Xi would also be held accountable by other party members for promoting a close confidant to the premiership, ahead of other aspirants that have stronger track records according to traditional party yardsticks for the position. Unlike former Premier Li Keqiang's antagonistic relationship with Xi, the strong personal relationship and trust between Xi and Li Qiang actually makes the Prime Minister well-placed to achieve greater results. After a tough 2022 battling the epidemic with the zero-Covid policy, Li Qiang is keenly aware that it is imperative for China to reassure investors and business owners that it will be business as usual again, with steady old hands to trim the sales. He thus retained PBOC Governor Yi Gang past the official retirement age of 65, as well as Finance Minister Liu Kun. For many policy areas, Li Qiang has continued on the trajectory set by his predecessor Li Keqiang, showing that he is more interested in what is best for China, rather than focusing on putting his personal stamp on policies. For example, he continues Li Keqiang's series of stimulus policies, such as cutting taxes and fees, deleveraging highly indebted sectors, and other policies aimed at reducing systemic risk. On many diplomatic occasions, Li Qiang mentioned greater focus in cutting-edge fields such as the digital economy and the green economy. It is not lost on Li Qiang as well as President Xi that as of 2021, the private sector in China accounted for about 70% of GDP, 
80% of total employment, and 90% of new jobs created. It generated 58% of exports, much larger than that of the SOE sector's 8%, and the foreign invested sector's 34%. Nonetheless, yet another example of him continuing with Li Keqiang's policy stance is the outreach to foreign businessmen. Li Qiang said that the business environment will be optimized and the market will be further opened up. Li Qiang was also instrumental in China's abrupt, profound U-turn from zero COVID that surprised investors. According to a credible, well-placed source, together with outgoing chairman of the party congress Li Zhanshu, Li Qiang met with Xi for more than two hours in December. With the aid of a video compilation of street protests against the zero COVID policy, the party and presidency, as well as scenes of deserted malls, shuttered eateries, etc., the pair argued that time was running out and persuaded C to abandon zero COVID and to take decisive measures to stimulate the sluggish economy. Tai Chi, the dark mask. Tai Chi, China's number five leader and the ideology chief of China's Communist Party, worked very closely with President Xi in Fujian and Zhejiang. He is the most senior official to be appointed to the role of Director of the General Office of the Central Committee in more than 40 years. Barely two months after his appointment, in early May 2023, Chinese financial data provider Win Information blocked some offshore users from accessing certain business and economic data fueling concern about information access in the world's second largest economy. This move was preceded by China imposing in December 2022 a national security review for data and merger deals involving foreign capital as Beijing tightened cross-border information flow. In May, in an anti-spy crackdown, police raided consulting firm Capvision's offices across China. The black stern mask of Chai Chi is widely believed to be overseeing these moves. While the pro-business red mask works on stabilizing, expanding and strengthening China's economy, the dark mask will be there to ensure there are checks and balances on the private sector, safeguarding national security, ensuring regulations are evenly enforced, and stamping out excesses like exercising monopolistic practices to destroy the livelihoods of mom and pop shops, etc., will be part of the dark mass remit of making sure that growth is sustainable and common prosperity improves the lives of all citizens, not just the privileged few. The COVID lockdown wound needs to heal. Economic activity in China has been wrapping up since the abandonment of zero COVID with gross domestic product growing 4.5% in the first quarter from a year ago, according to the National Bureau of Statistics, beating the estimate of 4% growth from a Reuters poll of economists. Retail sales jumped 10.6% in March from a year earlier, the highest level of growth since June 2021. In the January to March months, retail sales grew 5.8%, mainly lifted by a surge in revenue from catering services. However, 2022 was a low base given the severe COVID restrictions 
and Li Chang's efforts to nurse domestic consumption back to health need to contend with the serious psychological effects of the lockdowns on the populace. While retail sales figures are encouraging, there is no evidence of, reven- of revenge consumption occurring in a big way. It will take some time for consumers to shake off their risk aversion, illustrated by households doubling their savings and halving their borrowings in 2022. Bracket chart 1. Close bracket. In 2023, the prevailing risk aversion continues, as indicated by a March survey of borrowers. The survey revealed that nearly 90% of respondents were either considering mortgage prepayments, currently in the process of doing so, or had already completed prepayments. Bracket chart 2. Close bracket. This indicates that the recovery process could be slower than existing market expectations. Mending Fences Li Chang is regarded to be the main driving force behind the proverbial prodigal son Jack Ma's sudden return to China in March, after a year-long disappearance from the public eye. Li Chang was able to make this happen because he is now the person in China's top echelon with the closest relationship with Xi Jinping that spans decades. Li Chang also has an extraordinary relationship and personal friendship with Jack Ma and privately asked him to return, possibly even extending certain guarantees to Ma. After all, Li Chang is now the Premier and the second highest ranked member of the Politburo Standing Committee, so it will be more difficult for other figures in the establishment to target Jack Ma. In March, Ma visited the Hangzhou Yunku School in Zhejiang Province, which was funded by Alibaba founders in 2017, to discuss the impact of AI on education. No decoupling, only de-risking. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen summed it up in March when she said it was not in the continent's interest to decouple from China. Quote, our relations are not black or white, and our response cannot be either. This is why we need to focus on de-risking, not decoupling. End quote. Such sentiments have also been echoed by America's Janet Yellen, Catherine Tai, and Jake Sullivan. Globalization remains resilient and world trade is still relatively stable amid war, famine, and disease. Bracket, chart 3, close bracket. Li Chang is cognizant that foreign investment is critical for the technological upgrading that China requires for the Zhejiang plan to succeed. Tesla's Elon Musk, with whom Li Chang has a close relationship with, is no threat politically, unlike Jack Ma's potential to be politically ambitious. Foreign partners like Musk and Tesla can help Li Chang generate employment and further develop China's economy along a modern, technologically advanced path. They are also desirable partners for SOEs in terms of technology and sharing best practices. Importantly, C wants to remain very supportive of foreign multinational corporations, an economically powerful lobby that can sway Western governments into taking more moderate tax on China. 
a lot of major US and European MNCs will be reluctant to give up on the China market, allowing their competitors to reap the profits there and fund further investments. Li Chang is the man to execute C's plans in this arena. Despite persistently simmering US-China tensions and tepid economic growth, total trade in goods between the two giants rose by 5.1% year-on-year, from 657.4 billion US dollars in 2021 to 690.6 billion US dollars in 2022, with China exports of about 536 billion US dollars to the US forming the lion's share. Bracket charge chart four. Close bracket. US corporates also generate about seven hundred billion US dollars of annual revenue from production and sales within China. Goods with national security implications form a very small share of goods traded and are very different from running shoes and furniture. The data also shows a divergence between bilateral trade and investment dynamics. Despite the disproportionate focus on the trade war over the past six years, trade between the US and China has remained at extremely high levels, driven by supportive US household consumption patterns. It is also interesting to note that in the past three years, around 80% of total foreign direct investment bracket FDI, close bracket, flows into China have originated from 10 American, mainly technology, companies and 10 European, mainly auto and chemical companies. China wants access to overseas markets and the domestic jobs created via FDI. US consumers, typically households in the D-South with annual incomes of around 60,000 US dollars and below, that have seen their wages stagnate for decades, need the cheap products of reasonable quality exported by China. This is key to preserving the real purchasing power of America's lower and middle classes, without which inflation would become even more unimaginable in the US and other developed economies. Bracket chart 5. Close bracket. C's legacy of common prosperity. How did, quote, common prosperity, unquote, come into C's plans? In 1978, when Paramount leader Deng Xiaoping initiated reforms, China's Gini coefficient was around 0.30, one of the most equal in the world. At the peak in 2008, it was around 0.49, one of the highest in the world. Today, it is still very high at 0.46, bracket chart 6, close bracket. Most foreign investors go only to the big cities and they see the dazzling prosperity there. In 1995, the top 10% in China had 40% of the total wealth of the country, while the bottom 50% have only 16%. By 2015, the top 10% share had risen to 68%, while that of the bottom 50% have fallen further to only 6%. This disparity is far worse than in European countries in Japan, and it is comparable to that of the US. China's Theodore Roosevelt 
In my extensive travel across all 31 provinces over the past 25 years, I witnessed the unprecedented disparities between urban and rural areas, coastal and interior provinces, as well as between cities and small towns. America's Gilded Age, which began in the 1870s, was a period of robber barons and railway tycoons thriving in corrupt deals, crony capitalism, monopolistic practices, and manipulated markets. It was a period of spectacular growth and wealth creation, as well as abject poverty. The backlash eventually ushered in a wave of economic, social, and political reforms. The Progressive Era. Some astute analysts regard the go-go years of Deng Xiaoping, Jiang Zemin, and Hu Jintao as China's version of America's Gilded Age. Xi is now ushering in China's own version of the Progressive Era with vigor. The Progressive Era, bracket 1896 to 1917, close bracket was a period of widespread social activism and political reform across the United States, focused on attacking corruption, monopoly, and social injustice. Progressives sought to address the problems caused by rapid industrialization, urbanization, immigration, and political corruption, and by the enormous concentration of industrial ownerships in monopolies. Quote, Captains of industry, unquote, like John D. Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan formed huge corporations owned by stockholders, defenders of quote, corporate bigness unquote, claimed that the new super corporations like Standard Oil created jobs and efficiently produced and distributed goods and services at a lower cost. Others, however, attacked corporate abusers practiced by those they called robber barons. Progressives in America back then were alarmed by the spread of slums, poverty, squalor, and the exploitation of labor. Their solutions were regulating businesses, protecting the natural environment, and improving working conditions in factories and living standards of the urban poor. They took aim at business monopolies, with progressives working to regulate them through trust-busting and antitrust laws to promote fair competition and a level playing field for legitimate competitors. President Xi sees himself doing for China what President Theodore Roosevelt did for America during the Progressive Era. The Western media mistakenly accused him of taking China back to the Maoist era. The Late Xi Era it is clear that no successor has been designated for President Xi during his current term running to 2027. By 2027, there could be pressure to designate one. The current crop of PSC members are all too old. For the 2027 to 2032 team, Xi may adopt Deng's model of being the power behind the throne, eschewing the risk of being totally in charge. While Deng was in charge, frontline leaders like Zhao Ziyang and Hu Yaobang bore the brunt of fallout from policy missteps, leaving Deng relatively unscathed. Barring a major career-ending move for ill health, it is likely that a few of the nine members of the current Politburo, born between 1959 and 1964, 
will figure in Xi's plans for the final stage of his political career. Red Mask Protégé When Li Qiang was the party secretary of Jiangsu, his closest colleague was Wu Zhenlong. Wu, a former governor of Jiangsu, was promoted to state councillor and secretary general of the state council at the March 2023 two sessions of the Communist Party of China. He is now Li Chang's de facto chief of staff. With Wu's promotion to the state council, Kang Xuping, who once served as Li Chang's secretary in the Jiangsu Provincial Party Committee and the, Jiang- and the Shanghai Municipal Party Committee, was appointed as the deputy director of the powerful research office of the state council. Kang was the, quote, big secret, unquote, behind Li Chang's success when he was in charge of Jiangsu and Shanghai, working hard for Li Chang over seven years. Kang also served as the director of the research office of the Jiangsu Provincial Party Committee in 2015. In 2017, Li Chang was transferred to Shanghai and Kang followed suit a month later. Wu and Kang are the two men to watch as Li Qiang builds his power base from within the top layer of the CCP's power structure. Black Mask Protégés In lockstep with former Beijing Secretary Cai Qi's promotion to the PFC, many of his former Beijing subordinates were also promoted. Tai Bingbing, former Secretary General of the Beijing Municipal Government was promoted to Vice-Governor of Shanxi in early 2003. Jin Hui, former Secretary of the Mengtou Gou District Committee, was promoted to Vice-President of Hebei. Chen Zhichang, former Mayor of Shijingshan District, has been promoted the Vice Provisional Mayor of Nanjing recently after serving in Jiangsu for two years. Rise of other protégés He Lifeng, the former head of the National Development and Reform Commission bracket NDRC, close bracket, was promoted the Vice Premier. His key protégé, Zheng Shantie, was promoted to take her place as the new chairman of the powerful NDRC. In the organization department of the Central Committee, Chen Xi, the head of the department, was succeeded by Li Ganjie, a member of the Politburo and secretary of the Central Secretariat. Like Xi Jinping, both were graduates of Beijing's Tsinghua University. Chen Xi's fellow Fujianist Huang Jianfa, former deputy directory, former deputy secretary of the Zhejiang Provincial Party Committee, and secretary of the Political and Legal Committee of the Provincial Party Committee, has been promoted to deputy head of the Central Organization Department. Similar political culture with Japan. Intense competition and meritocracy prevails in the CCP's lower and middle ranks. Out of the 96 million party members, 
eventually about 376 members reached the Central Committee. As an aspirant breaks into perhaps the top 1,500 positions within the party, factional affiliation and loyalty become the paramount criteria to reach the Central Committee, the Politburo and the PSC. Across the East China Sea, factions in Japan's ruling Liberal Democratic Party bracket LDP close bracket these days are simply institutionalized coalitions. Faction heads gain loyalty through securing cabinet postings and lending the support in elections, among other things. Faction heads have come and gone over the years as LDP leaders rose through the ranks and eventually retired. New factions have been formed and some have even broken ranks to start political party offshoots. The reasons for that deserve an in-depth study of its own, but the short answer is that it all comes down to patronage. Though Japan is a democracy, it has for all intents and purposes been largely a one-party state. The LDP's factions can loosely be grouped into two main currents. It developed in the years following the quote, conservative merger, unquote, of 1955 when Shigeru Yoshida's Liberal Party and Ichiro Hatoyama's Japan Democratic Party united to form the LDP. Historically, the most powerful faction leader in the LDP was Kakue Tanaka, whose Mokuyo club factions dual house strength in the early 1980s exceeded 110 seats. His followers remained loyal despite the fact that he had been convicted for receiving 500 million yen bracket nearly 4 million USD close bracket in bribes from Lockheed bracket the Lockheed scandal close bracket Tanaka's faction broke up when one of his subordinates Noburo Takeshita decided to form a breakaway group. This has a significant parallel with the recent decline of the Jiang faction in China. Over the years, various factions evolved and split off. Today, Fukuda, Abe, Mori can trace their origins to the Hatoyama faction. Present PM Kishida traced his faction origin to Horuichi faction. This functional patronage dynamics could be the future institutional political structure in the post-Sea era. An early indicator is the rising factions among C's present protégés. Taiwan, flowers instead of fists. The Brookings Institution conducted a panel survey in Taiwan with two waves, one in September 20, 2022 and a second in January 2023, to gauge the Taiwanese public's reaction to then-US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's very public demonstration of support for Taiwan. In 2022, they asked respondents in the wake of Pelosi's visit and the PRC's unprecedented military exercises around Japan, whether Taiwan faced a serious threat. In January 2023, 
they followed with a slightly different question about whether Pelosi's travel had made Taiwan more or less secure. The majority of respondents, bracket 62%, close bracket, in the January 2023 survey, believed that Pelosi's visit made Taiwan, regarded by Beijing as a renegade province, less secure. The Ukraine war and devastation have also greatly alarmed the Taiwanese voters. Presently, the majority of voters are independents, approximately 46%, which is far larger than the approximately 30% and 14% who support the DPP and the KMT respectively. Consequently, the independent voters will be decisive in the January 2024 presidential election. China's strategy is to pin the quote, war party, unquote, label on the DPP, working in concert with the US. It attempts to be the peace party, working with the KMT and the majority of independents. War is now a possibility for local Taiwanese voters, and that will have a psychological impact on the upcoming presidential election. In my recent travel to Taiwan in late May 2023, there were rising fears that China is serious. In particular, the Ukraine war has brought home the disastrous consequences into the consciousness of the average person. One middle-aged woman mentioned that it is very dangerous to provoke China. Taiwan is an egg and China is a big stone. She felt that the DPP could be dangerous for Taiwan. I bought a local Taiwanese newspaper on 22nd May and noted that the big headline was about President Tsai Ing-wen's speech that the DPP strongly stands for peace. Quote, War is not an option. Neither side can unilaterally change the status quo with non-peaceful means. Tsai said, Maintaining the status quo of peace and stability is the consensus for both the world and Taiwan. End quote. The people from Tainan City in the south of Taiwan are more pro-DPP and anti-China. I had an interesting discussion with two men from the south. They think that China is bullying them and feel that Japan and the US will save them. One of the men told me his son has joined the local civilian militia. Wang Huning, the fourth-ranked member of the Politburo Standing Committee and chairman of the CPPCC, is now in charge of China's quote, United Front end quote, against Taiwan. Xi recently asked Wang to come up with a set of strategies to replace the no longer viable Taiwan strategy of quote, one country, two systems. End quote. When Xi Jinping mentioned Taiwan in his Chinese New Year speech in January 2023, he avoided using the word unification, and instead said, quote, both sides of the Taiwan Strait are of the same family, close quote, bracket, liang an yi jia qin, close bracket. During the October 2022 20th National Congress, Xi also avoided 
repeating his declaration that he would not give up the option of the quote military uni- reunification of Taiwan end quote implications for global investors the ebb and flow of the Peking opera of red and black masks under the watchful eye of President Xi Jinping will likely be a feature of Beijing's political landscape for some years to come. Eventually, the CCP's political dynamics could look more similar to that of Japan's LDP. Staying on domestic political priorities, common prosperity would remain a major prong of Xi's policies, but with the help of, instead of at the expense of, China's billionaires and entrepreneurs. Technological advancements will likely play a pivotal role in China's adjusting to an aging population. Across the Taiwan Strait, if the island's 13 January 2024 presidential election is decided by the 46% of independents, cross-strait relations could come off the boil. Further afield, while the US-led Western nations will likely take steps to de-risk their economic relationship with China and vice versa, a decoupling is highly unlikely. Some alpha baskets and alpha clusters, where sustainable alpha can be harvested, include land consolidation and increased mechanization to strengthen food security and bolstering energy security by boosting the adoption of, as well as technological breakthroughs in, EVs, batteries, solar power, and wind power. China will also expand the effort and treasure in securing its access to semiconductors, reducing and eventually eliminating vulnerabilities like foreign powers having a stranglehold on access to crucial equipment. There will also likely be good opportunities for China's entrepreneurs, as well as investors backing them, to profit from providing solutions to China's aging and shrinking population, as well as persistently high levels of inequality. Factory automation, healthcare, and rural development are some areas that come to mind. Dr. Tan Kong Yam is a founding member and deputy chairman bracket China close bracket of APS Asset Management. He is also professor of economics at the Nanyang Technological University. He serves as a board member at the Changi Airport Group. Bracket 2015 to present. Close bracket. From 1985 to 88, he was the chief assistant to Dr. Goh King Sui, the late Deputy Prime Minister of Singapore, who was invited by Mr. Teng Xiaoping to advise China on economic development strategy. From June 2002 to June 2005, he was a senior economist at the World Bank's office in Beijing. In 2004, he was a member of the World Bank Expert Group on the 11th Five-Year Plan bracket 2006 to 2010 close bracket, for the State Council in China. He served as the Chief Economist of the Singapore Government bracket 1999 to 2002 close bracket. 